You know, um, here's the thing that we've waited so long to see what our hearts desire that we get in ourselves we get ourselves in a heart position when something is always coming and is never here we always are expecting something instead of stepping into something and you know you can get tired and you can get a bit you know we've been there you know we've we've done this We've asked God, it hasn't happened. It's going to happen. It's already happening. And, and, and we need, as individuals and as a church, to recognize what God is doing and, and get excited about what God is doing. Not, not just like coming along on a Sunday thinking, that was a great meeting, and then next Sunday, it's like last Sunday never happened. You know, we, we prayed to have our hearts stirred last week. We, 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 we need to take the walls down on this church and the walls down on our hearts. Because this nation, this city, our towns, our neighbourhoods need what Christ has. And they're not seeing it. And the only way they can see it is to see it through people who are hungry for him. Not hungry for church. Hungry for him. We live for an audience of one. And we need to remember that. We live for an audience of one. If all we did on here was be a church that is here on a Sunday and sings the words and says, Spirit break out, walls come down, and we don't live it on a Monday, there's no point. There isn't. And I, and I don't mean that in a hard way, but I, I was really moved this morning. I, I saw this post, and uh, it was put up by one of our congregation, which is brilliant. I won't tell you who it is. You can guess, okay? You can all have a look around and guess who put this post up. But it's a quote from the person I was talking about last week. And I said last week that Smith Wigglesworth had this prophecy... And he said that there would be a, a, move, a move of God of word and the spirit. And the, the sign of that move of God of word and the spirit about to arrive or arriving would be that all the people who'd left the church, the traditional churches to form house churches and, and get into the things of the Holy Spirit, he, he prophesied that that would wane and they would return to their old ways of meetings without the Holy Spirit, doing church without the Holy Spirit. And we've seen that over the last 10, 15 years. Churches that were hungry for a move of God, for the presence of God, for the signs, the wonders, even the gifts of the Spirit, they left traditional churches, formed house churches that grew and grew and grew. And then somewhere along the line, they forgot why they were born. And they reverted to forcing the Holy Spirit out of the meetings again in case it offended people. God is capable of taking care of himself. The only people that the Holy Spirit offends are Christians who probably need offending to wake them up. 
He doesn't defend the lost. He saves the lost by the power of the gospel and the word of the gospel. We're not in the business of attracting Christians. And I said last week, we were at this point in history where we have a choice of, do, are we a church that wants to grow or are we a church that is going to participate in changing this nation? And the two are very different. The two are very different in terms of what you set as your goals. Now, um, I'll, I'll narrow it down. It was a lady. The lady put up this word from Smith Wigglesworth, and it's this. And he said this just before he died. He said, the reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that Christians are not filled with Jesus. They are satisfied with attending meetings weekly, reading the Bible occasionally, and praying sometimes. It is an awful thing for me to see people who profess to be Christians, lifeless, powerless, and in a place where their lives are parallel to those of unbelievers. Lives that it is difficult to tell which place they are in or which kingdom they belong to, whether it is the flesh or in the spirit. And you know, it's so true that he was talking about time when we would not be able to tell on a Monday morning the difference between a Christian and not Christian. I think, I think we're in that place. I think we're in this, that place, in this city and in this nation. You can't tell the difference. Because we don't let what happens on a Sunday or in our prior time or our private time with God move us so that our hearts change so it moves us on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday. And, and even if it moves us, there's got to be that desire to see more and more. And I said last week that um, we won't be able to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. We won't be able to flow with the Holy Spirit as long as we see that as optional. As long as we see flowing with the Holy Spirit and... and um, entering into the presence of God, encountering God, moving in the gifts of the Spirit as something that would be nice if it happens, we can never do it. You see, if I, I think if, you, if I asked anyone in this church or I asked anyone uh, who goes around church, you know, is, is in churches that have any sort of life in them, they would all say, yes, we want to see revival in the UK. Every single person would say, yeah, I want to see revival in the UK. I want to see the spirit break out. You know, that, that song goes across all types of churches. Churches where the Holy Spirit hasn't moved for decades, they sing that song. But for it to become a reality... It has to move from, yeah, that would be nice if it happened, to I am desperate and hungry and desire for that to happen right here, right now, in my life. 
And if I'm the only one it's going to happen for, then I'm going to go. I'm going to go for it. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? You know, this is, this is all or broke. It's not passive. Jesus didn't die for passive Christians. He died for people who were in love with him. And when you're in love with somebody, you're passionate about them. You want to see all that that, that, that relationship can birth. And, and we can settle for so little, can't we? You know, I'm doing this to stir us because I'm going to, just what I'm going to look at this morning is we, we have to stir ourselves up to flow in the Spirit. Let's, I'm going to talk about this morning about gifts of the Spirit. Not in detail about any specific gift, but how we are able to step into them. Because they're given to the church for a purpose. And the purpose of that is to display Christ to the world. Not for us to play with them occasionally in a prayer group so they're hidden from the world. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. We're going to go through quite a number of verses. They're mainly in 1 Corinthians, so if you want to find 1 Corinthians, that would be a good place. I want you to understand there's a principle at work here. And the principle is this, that, that God gives gifts of the Holy Spirit to every single born-again believer who's received the Holy Spirit. That is a fact. It's, you know, it's displayed clearly in his verse. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So we are given gifts of the Spirit for everybody else's benefit. So you may know what your gifting is. You may know what the Holy Spirit um, stirs in you. You may not. But whether you do or you don't, you've got gifts that the Holy Spirit is giving you that God desires to use in helping others and for the benefit of everybody else. So we need to be able to find out what those gifts are. Now, just if you're unsure what your gift is, and this is all like new to you, um, one of the things you can do is you can uh, go online and they have like lots of questionnaires. There's loads of these things that will ask you lots of questions and it'll help you sort out what your gift is. Like whether it, you, you move in uh, something like, uh, healing, or whether it's a gift of administration, or at the, quite the other end, hospitality. You know, that, that Shevel's ace at hospitality. Um, but she has a, tremendous other giftings as well. And that'll help you sort it out. And, and tomorrow, what, uh, if I thought to do it, I would have done it by now, but I'll, I'll send you around a, a link you can click on. So if you don't know what gifts God's put in you right now, you can click on that link, and that'll help you sort out your thoughts, and God will... will, will lead you through that process. Now, here's the point. If God has given gifts to everyone, 
I remember a great evangelical preacher. Who's heard of Martin Lloyd-Jones? This is a man who can preach on the same book of the Bible for like years and years on end. I've got them lined up on my shelf. He's preaches on Romans and he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Huge, huge volumes. One of the great evangelical preachers. And there was a morning that he was talking about baptism in the Spirit in Westminster Chapel. And he was saying that, that one of the dangers is people think they've got it all. That they don't need any more. You know, like, I'm a Christian. It's okay. That's all there is to it. I just need to come to church. I just need to pray a little bit. I just need to read my, read my daily notes occasionally. And that's okay. And he turned around to the church and he said, so you think you've got it all. Where is it then? Why can't I see it? Why can't I see what you say you've got? And, and what he was challenging was this, this lack of desire to move in the things of the Spirit. He was challenging our ability to grow and build church without any reference to the power of God. And he was basically saying, look, our, our, the way we can judge whether we're trying to follow what Jesus said is, are we encouraging the supernatural? Are we encouraging people to move in the gifts? Are we talking to them about the gifts? Are we teaching them how to use the gifts? And he understood that they are gifts. You see, the gifts. That means that right here, right now, you can have them. There's no qualification apart from being a Christian, giving your life to Christ. You've got gifts. They, they are without reference to who you are, what you've done, where you've been, what you've said, what you've experienced. They are gifts just given for free. They are not dependent for their operation on you. That's good news because they don't require you to be perfect. Just, you should get excited about that. They don't require you to be perfect. That's good news, isn't it? Yeah, it's good news that you do not need to be perfect. And, you know, one of the things... Right now, just hang on. I believe... Just, God just dropped this into my spirit. He needs us to understand we are in a fight for our hearts right now. We are in a fight for our hearts right now. And we are either going to let him stir our hearts or we're just going to keep going through that cycle of getting excited and falling back. And, and there's an enemy that tries to dull our hearts. There's an enemy that's kicking us. And we need to kick back harder. Because God, wants, he's, he's in the process, faith life, of stirring our hearts. And, you know, like, um, you should have all seen the emails that I've been sending out. We, are, we have a meeting tomorrow night. Uh, if you haven't responded yet, that's fine. You just come at St. Andrew Street Baptist. Um, and we're just going to get together for all who can come. 
before God and we're going to ask him what he's doing and what he wants to do and just get full of the Holy Spirit. There's no agenda. So we're doing that because we want him to be able to stir our heart. You see, the thing is that God, the gifts of the Spirit are always available. Now, let me, let me explain. Because some, I'll put this up front and then I'll ignore it from then on. Some people get all bothered, like, well, can't every believer do everything? Because it does say things like, if you lay hands on the sick if, and you believe, they'll be healed. Yeah? That it doesn't make a distinction whether you've got the gift of healing or not. And it is true that, that God can respond to our faith in his promises. And he does, incredibly. But it's also true that God wants all of us to move with a lot more confidence and a lot more full of his Holy Spirit so that we see greater things than we've seen. And when he talks about gifts, what he's talking about is our role, our vocation within the church. So he's not saying, for instance, that if Andrew prays for somebody, yes, they can be healed. But for some people, they are called and right now are, are being asked within this body to really step out and press in to see more of the miraculous in healing. And that's because God's stirring within them the gift of healing. It's a vocation. So these are not just a faith in reliance on God's promises, they're a moving of the Holy Spirit to equip your role within the body. Can you see there's a difference? So we're talking about, when we're talking about gifts of the Spirit, they're available to everybody because everybody's in the body. And we should all be moving in some, one or more of them because we're part of this body and it's for the benefit of everybody in this body. Are you still with me? So God is... He's always desiring to minister. He's always desiring for the, the gifts of the Spirit to be used. The reason the gifts of the Spirit aren't used in churches is because they're not encouraged in churches. They're not taught. They're not demonstrated. And therefore, nobody benefits from the gifts that are in you. So, you, you, and, and, and the longer that goes on, the more people become um, unable to move in their giftings and lose confidence, and lose the, 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 the role that they're meant to play in the church. And very soon, our role in church then becomes, do I put the envelopes out on the seats? That's, that's not a spiritual gifting. That's just a servant heart. And, and we are, the, you know, when we sing spirit break out, what we're actually saying is God moves beyond people who put seats out. Putting seats out is is important. For 10 years or more, I've done it, Roger's done it, we, we stick the seeds out. We're praying for the time when we have thousands of people all moving in God and they bring their own seats and put them out, you know. But until then, we serve. But that's not our spiritual gifting. It's our servant heart. It's not, it, you, do you see what I mean? And when we reduce church to servant heart, we reduce church to only what man can do. 
And unfortunately, what man can do is he can build big organizations because he's learned leadership skills and he's got the use of the internet and video and all the rest of it. But Jesus didn't tell the disciples, Peter, John, Paul and whatever, stay where you are, don't leave Jerusalem until the video comes. He said, don't leave till the spirit has come, till power has come upon you. And we looked at that last week. So God's always wanting to minister. And he's not coming and going. Some people have this idea that, that God comes and goes. And sometimes he's present, sometimes he's not. Well, in a sense, his manifest presence uh, comes to varying degrees in response to our hunger and our desire for him. But the gifts don't. God isn't coming and going. It's us who are coming and going and flowing. It's us who are on and off. You see, if we don't use the gifts, they're not being used. That makes sense. That's simple, isn't it? Even I can understand that. Even as northerners can understand that. If the gifts aren't being used, they're not being used. They're off. And they need to be on for the benefit of all. You see, it's God's desire to minister and our role within that is to be sensitive to him so we know what he wants to do with those gifts. He knows what, we know what he wants to do with us. Um, let, me give you, let me give you a couple of examples of that. I was just... Um, Cheryl and I were with some members of our church this week and we were, we were praying and we were praying specifically into the area of healing. Uh, for some of the people in our church. And one of the, the ladies who was there at the, at the end of the prayer for healing said, I, I think, you know, I really sense, and this is directed to one of the people just being prayed for, I really sense that um, it feels like there's an arrow stuck in your back. And God wants to remove that arrow because it's things that have been said to you, things that have been done to you, and... And, it, and it's got into you, and it's the, the arrow's still stuck in your back. Now, you can do nothing with that, or you could go, well, that's crazy, isn't it? Because I don't see anybody with an arrow sticking out the back. Guys, you know, we just need to get a bit more <laughs> relaxed about this. Um, it's God showing us what needs to be done. So, in response to that, what, what I did and, and Cheryl did because we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, is I prayed for the person, and I put, so if I demonstrate with Sarah, I put my hand on his back like I was holding an arrow, and I prayed, and I pulled it out. <laughs> Interestingly, that is what happened. The person I was praying for basically made a very loud noise, fell on the floor and started trembling under the power of the Holy Spirit as God ministered to them. We need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. I was watching a, 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 a series of video testimonies on the Global Awakening website, which is Randy Clark's website, a, a crusade he did in Brazil. And there's some incredible stuff on there. And, uh, but he was talking about one, and it was a lady who'd come up and... What he'd done is he said, I don't know what this means, but God wants to set somebody free from a crowbar. 
And this lady came up and she testified that at that moment, her body, which had multiple, uh, had had multiple broken bones, she'd had her spine crushed, her neck crushed, and so on, was completely pain-free, able to move where she hadn't been able to move before, and was just totally healed. And she came up and he said, well, what, what was that all about? She said, I responded to the thing you said about the crowbar. And he said, well, what, what does that mean? He said, she said, I had, I had broken bones all over my body. I've had my vertebrae fused together and all that sort of stuff because I was beaten with a crowbar day after day by a violent husband. And I've just been healed. And, and Randy Clark said, and I want you to understand this, he said, apart from that's incredible, he said this, he said, well, that's us responding by being sensitive to God. Now, he said, I said that not knowing what it meant. And he said, what if I'd been wrong? What if, what if, what if that was just rubbish? It doesn't matter is what he said. Who cares? Who cares if I'm embarrassed if God is glorified because we increasingly get it right more and more? Who cares if I'm embarrassed? Who cares if there's no arrow stuck in somebody's back? If God gets it right and we get it right more and more, we have to learn to be sensitive in the Holy Spirit. And um, basically, there's a principle that we need to understand. That if these gifts of the Holy Spirit are in us and they're available to us and the power of the Holy Spirit resides within us because Christ's Spirit resides within us, then how does it get out? And last week we prayed for people for an, an impartation into all sorts of areas of their life. Now, what Paul, who, who was a man who moved incredibly in the gifts of the Spirit and incredibly in power and raised people from the dead and healed people, so much so that he said, I want your faith not to rest on what I said, but on the power that I demonstrated to you. And he, he comes along and he says to his little protege, Timothy, who, who is left in charge of a church, young man left in charge of a church, and he says to him, stir up the gift that is in you by the laying on of hands when you first receive. And so we, we have to stir up what is in us. So when we're singing like Spirit Breakout, we try, we're stirring up. We, we should be conscious that we should stir up what is in us. And a lot of us are waiting for something to happen to us. We're waiting for God to move independent of us. And he's saying, I've already moved into you. So you've now got to move. And the way you move is you stir up what I've put in you. Now, you've got to understand that. Let me put it the other way around so you don't miss it. You stir the gift up. The gift doesn't stir you up. The gift is not going to get you excited. The gift is not going to stir you up. The gift is not going to um, do anything to you. It's not going to give you a shove in the back. It's not going to get you excited in worship. It's not going to make Monday mornings any better. 
but you stir the gift up. It's to us to stir ourselves. And this is what we, what we often miss. We, 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 we cry spirit break out, and yet at the same time, we're not stirring ourselves to allow him to break out. The, the fire in our hearts depends on us. And you say, well, you know, I've, I've got no fire. You know, I'm a bit dulled down at the moment. You don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know what's going on in life. I know what's going on in my life. I know what's going on in my life in the last six months, and it's been horrible. But the truth is, I am responsible for stirring the gift that is within me. So what do I do? I dig into the world. word. I go out on Gog Magog Hills. I pray. I sing very loudly when there's nobody there apart from the dog. I go out there and I get myself in front of people who are carrying things of God and I get them to pray for me and I say, I want what you've got. And even if I don't want what you've got, I've got what, want what God's got to give me. You know, when I went to the conference last week with the Heidi Baker conference, I was responding to altar thing calls that had nothing to do with me because I decided I was going to have whatever was on offer because I want to stir up what's within me. I don't want to be a victim of what's happened to me. I want to stir up what's in me. Are you getting this? Are you understanding? And, and so we, we put ourselves in places to be stirred. We, we walk in on a Sunday morning and we decide, God, however grotty I'm feeling, I'm going for it in worship because I'm going to press in till I see God move. And, and it can't just be one person. It needs to be us all. And, and I'm just like, God, whatever you've got for me, I'm having it. I'm having it, God. I'm having it. You see... The truth is, when it comes to gifts of the Spirit and moving in the flow of the Spirit, you do it. You initiate it. Um, let's, have, let's have a verse on that. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. Paul's been talking about the, the use of the gifts within the church. And he reaches this conclusion. He says, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. And I'll pray with understanding. He's talking about praying, speaking in tongues, speaking in spiritual languages, praying in spiritual languages. And he said, and, and he said, and he's been talking about the different uses of those and what God does with them. And he said, This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray in the spirit, and I'm also gonna pray in a way I can understand. I'm singing in the spirit, and I'll also sing in a way I understand. Why? Because the important thing is look at it. I will. I will. I will, I will. We initiate the action of the gift within us. So if we want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, we need to initiate. And not, not get too worried that we don't understand everything. We initiate and we go for it. We initiate and we go for it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.31 says this. It's right at the end of it that all... Paul's just been talking about all the gifts, some of the gifts in the church. And he says this, covet earnestly the best gifts. I'm going to come back to that in a, later as well, but just for now, covet earnestly the best gifts. <coughs> so I, this, is, this is a challenge for me, and it, it's probably a challenge for all of us. Do we covet earnestly the gifts of the Spirit? And most importantly, do we covet earnestly the best gifts? Are we just satisfied? Are we not bothered? 
Because Paul is telling us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that where we're supposed to be is coveting earnestly for the Holy Spirit to be moving and operational in our life. Covet earnestly. Now, the point's this. The Holy Spirit flows in our life when we position ourselves in our hearts of coveting him in our life. There's a link. No coveting him in our life. No flowing of him in our life. That's why we can end up powerless because he's a nice to have if somebody else does it for me. But the Holy Spirit actually only responds to those who covet earnestly. Now, covet's often looked at as a bad word, isn't it? Do not covet your neighbor's pig or something like that. Do not cover your, covet your neighbor's chocolate bar. That's one I often fall for. Don't covet. Don't covet in terms of what somebody else has. But God's saying these are, these are gifts from him, so you ought to covet earnestly. What does covet mean? Well, pardon? You want it. But it actually means a lot more than that. So the, the word translated covet there does mean want it. But it means like this. You are... <laughs> Wake up! Wake up! You have warmth of feeling for. Okay, that's nice, isn't it? Warmth of feeling for. It's better than cold of feeling for. You have warmth of feeling for. You are moved with desires for. You are zealous to get. Zealous to get your hands on these gifts to flow in them. Zealous. Like waking up in the morning and going, God, I, I, just, I need you to show me how there can be more in my life. I'm not satisfied with what I've got. I need you to show me how there's more. That Literally, that word covert means boiling. As in, so hot, it bubbles over. You need to be boiling and hungry and burning with wanting to get your hands on these best gifts. Because you know you can have them and you want them and they're life-changing for you and they're life-changing for other people and God doesn't want you settling for a mediocre life. The worst thing that can be said about you on your gravestone is that you were average. We have to live above average. We have to live above mediocre. We have to live above getting by. We have to live above getting pushed around with whatever's happening in our life. We have to live above it. And the way we live above it is we get to desire and pursue and cover earnestly these gifts. Earnestly means intensely or with intent. We go after them intentionally. Are you, are, you, are you still with me? Okay. You know, um, I remember at, uh, you know, in, in my walk at, at university, particularly when I first started to discover about these gifts, is I read this book, and, and most of you know the story. I, read, I was given this book by... Um, a lady in, in the room next to me when I didn't understand anything about baptism in the Spirit. And the book was called Nine O'Clock in the Morning. 
And it, re and it was the experiences of an Anglican minister who had had baptism of the Holy Spirit opened up to him and he understood what it what started to see what it was that God could move in power. And I was reading this and I was seeing these things and I'm going, I want that. I want that because I don't want to go from university to the grave and not have seen any more than I have seen. Yeah. None of us want to only settle for what we've seen. But in order for it to be different, we have to earnestly want it. So what I did at uni is, I, I, they must have thought I was crazy. I, I started driving around different towns because there's no Amazon and no internet and I had no clue where to look then. Going, trying to find Christian bookshops and going in Christian bookshops to find every book I could on the Holy Spirit. And I was, like, I got up one morning and drove from Lancaster to Chester just to try and find a Christian bookshop that I'd looked up in a telephone directory. And, and I got there and, and they had a book on the Holy Spirit I hadn't seen before, so I bought it and then drove back again. And I read it as soon as I got back because I wanted more in my life. And, it, and it's that sort of pursuing earnestly. You know, not nice to have. Not just... Um, Not just settling for it if it comes along, but, but desiring it. Let me move on now to what will, this, this is the negative part of the talk, what will stop us moving in the Holy Spirit? Because you can see what will happen and help us to move more in the Holy Spirit, but what will stop the flow of those gifts? The first thing that stops it, obviously, which I, I've touched on, is there's no opportunity. We're not taught. We don't desire it. It becomes a nice-to-have. Or more to the point, it becomes a nice-to-have, but don't do it here in case you put somebody off. It's not going to happen in those circumstances. But God talks about a particular culture he wants in the body. We're the body, yeah? We're the body. And there's a particular culture he's after. Is it possible to open the, that, the back door? The, the alarm doesn't go off. You just open it, it'll let some air in. And in 1 Corinthians 14, when he's talking about all these gifts, he says something really important. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So the two go together. Pursue love, desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He's, he's talking about the particular role of prophecy in that, in that passage. But pursue love, desire that you may prophesy. So the spiritual gifts flow best where there's love, evident, and love practiced. That's why we make it the big thing rooted and grounded in love. Love first. Love for God, love for each other. When Jesus is asked what's the most important thing, he said, love for God, love for each other. You start there all the time. And, and it's not just, yeah, that makes us all feel nice. It's essential for the Holy Spirit to move in power in our midst. So if there's strife, the Holy Spirit is less likely to be moving. So therefore, we need to guard our hearts all the time to that. And, and, and forgive quickly and reconcile quickly and, and 
what does Paul say? So far as it's down to, to you, live in peace with other men. So far as it's down to you. You won't always be able to do it, but as far as it's down to you, you live in peace with other men. Now, if in Ephesians, Paul goes on and talks about this in a bit more detail. So just have a look, let's have a look at this passage, Ephesians 4. By the way, we're looking at the idea of getting a screen at the back there so I can read it there instead of having to turn my back on you because I'm sure I look a lot better from the front, or maybe not. <laughs> and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the first thing that, because Paul's talking about how the Holy Spirit dwells in our midst and moves in our midst in this passage. And the first thing he says, you have to put on the new man. Who's doing it? We are. It's a conscious choice. You put on the new man. What does that mean? It's, it means that um, you recognize that you are no longer the same as unbelievers around you. That you have been born again and the spirit of God has been put in you. And unless we consciously think of ourselves like that and, and, and see ourselves like that, the enemy will try and convince us we're just a mess and we're just the same person we always were and he'll get us behaving like we always did and nothing will change. But if we see ourselves as that new person that has the Holy Spirit in them, that, that, that he's a new creation and he's capable of so much more because of the power of the Spirit in us to change our hearts and move from our hearts and flow in love, then it unlocks the power of the Spirit. So we put on the new man. Now, we also have to do something else. We have to put away the old guy. And so it says, therefore, putting away, and, and he gives some examples of what this old guy looks like in case you don't recognize him. He's the one that lies. Put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for he remembers what of one another. Again, he's talking within the context of the church. No lying about each other. No exaggerating. No taking stories to each other. Because it shuts down the Holy Spirit. Be angry and don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath or give place to the devil. You know, um, one of the things somebody said to me not long ago, they said, all anger is witchcraft. And every time you get annoyed, you're practicing witchcraft. Here's, here's my question for you. Who's not got annoyed once this week? You may put your hand up and, and there is extra chocolate brownie for you. <laughs> Joyce put her hand up. I'll refer back to the previous statement about not lying. <laughs> we get angry. We, you know, we have emotions. God gets angry. Jesus got angry. Jesus turned tables over and hit people and did all sorts of things because he got angry. But it wasn't sin, it was righteous anger. And we get angry because we have emotions and there's injustice. But it's on us, so far as we are able, to make peace. So get over your anger, lock yourself in a room, calm down, come out again and be lovely. <laughs> and make peace. Don't carry it, that's all that's saying. Okay, let's go on. So, sorry, this putting away. If you, uh, I, I preached a whole talk on this a couple of years ago, just that, that thing. But it's basically, what it means by putting away is this. 
You know all those clothes you have in your wardrobe? Well, let me put it another way. You know all those clothes Cheryl has in my wardrobe? <laughs> the ones that haven't been worn for years and, you know, hark back to the days of Joan Collins and Dynasty. You know, those sort of clothes. Well, what we do, what would be the right thing to do with those clothes is to find that old battered suitcase you don't use anymore, pack them in it, and get, take them somewhere. That's what it means. That literally, putting away means packing up your suitcase, packing your black bin liner, and getting away because it's not fit for purpose anymore. And, and that's what we do with our old life. We, we, we pack it in this black bin liner, we stick it under the bed, or we take it to the charity shop, and it goes. It's a conscious thing. We, but we have to put it away. But we can put it away, because the Holy Spirit empowers us to put it away. He's still with me. So he's contrasting the old man with the new guy. We want to be the new guy. That's the point. So we, we need to start seeing ourselves like the new guy. We need to start moving in line with who we are and not who we were. And so let's, let's go on to the next verses. Let him who stole steal no longer. So he's still talking about what the old guy looks like. Let him labor, working with his hands what is good, so he's got something to give to those in need. You know, guys, Christians are hard workers. Christians are hard workers. I hear so many people complain about their job, and if only, if only they could be free from their job so they could minister. No, we meant to actually work so that we have something to give. Financially, part of our work, part of the reason God calls us to work is so we have things to give. It's how the, how the system works, how the kingdom works. Let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth. No lying, no exaggerating, no, God, no telling stories, no swearing, whatever. What is good and necessary, but what is good and necessary for edification it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, there's all sorts of things that people say about why the Spirit doesn't move. And have you ever heard, like, the glory's left the church? Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? In a time, and this, this always baffles me, because under the new covenant, we are saved by grace, and we receive it by faith, and it's not dependent on us. Yeah? And yet the glory seems to flit in and out of buildings and leave churches willy-nilly every time somebody decides they want to go somewhere else, and, it, and it's gone. Yet in the Old Testament, before Jesus died, it took decades, it took centuries to get out of the temple. It just moved slightly each, each century, and eventually it was gone, and nobody noticed. But it took centuries, and it's amazing how somebody can decide it's left the building one morning. The glory of God doesn't leave the building. The glory of God is inside of you, is inside of me. All he wants is a bit of stirring up and us flowing in the same direction as him. That's the point. Grieving the Holy Spirit is when we start behaving like our old man. And when we start behaving like our old man, it's not that the, the, the it's not like Elvis has left the building or the Holy Spirit's left the building. It's we're not flowing in the same direction as him, so he can't move. 
That's why it's so important we look after our hearts. Let me just show you something and I'll finish. I've said about how we flow with the Holy Spirit and desiring the Holy Spirit and stirring it up and we initiate. Now, we, we, now, we have to take that and now do it. That's our bit. God's promised that if we do our bit, the gift and the power of the Spirit's there. So, like, if we do our bit on a Sunday morning, God comes in his manifest presence. It, it's that simple. He, he responds to hungry hearts. Now, I just want to show you something, because I, I, I've not heard anybody else actually teach this. Because you can get this impression when you look at what your gifts are, and you go, well, I got a rubbish one. So it's amazing, like when I first spoke in tongues, having read that about nine o'clock in the morning, I was so excited. And, and we didn't have a phone in our house in those days. So I got up at, at I don't know how this happened, but it must have been God, because I got up at like 7.30 in the morning, got my clothes on, went down to the public telephone box outside the post office shop on our estate, got in the public telephone box and rang up this girl that gave me the book. Now, what possessed me to ring a student at 7.30 in the morning? I don't know, but I was excited. And bizarrely, she answered. She got out of bed and went to the phone on the wall in the corridor outside the student, uni, uh, student rooms. And, and she answered, and I started speaking in tongues down the phone to her. And I was so excited. I've gone, is this it? Have I got it? Have I got it? Is this it? And you know what happened? There was somebody else up at 7.30 that morning, desperate to make a phone call, and he stood outside this phone box looking at me, praying in tongues down a phone, and knocking on the door going, what are you doing? You're mad. You're loony. Get out of there. I need to make a phone call. Now, I was excited. But then, like 10 years on, I'm thinking, man, if speaking in tongues is the only gift I've got, how rubbish is that? What about all these other people with healings and miracles and... All that sort of stuff. I got the rubbish gift. But I'm stuck with it because that's my gift. And that's what I was always taught. That is wrong. But I need you to know that is wrong. Because most people, most of you are there going, well, this is my gift. I can't, what, what about, I'd, I'd like that other one, but I've got this one. But I better just lump it because that's what God gave me. Do you remember that? Covet earnestly desire the greater gifts. 1 Corinthians 12. Let's just go through that again. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. God has appointed these in the church. So he's talking about giftings. Not the same ones as he talked about slightly earlier in the chapter. These are others. There's, There's so many different lists of gifts of the Spirit. In the church, First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. There we are, I'm on there in my phone box. Are all apostles? Answer. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? 
you all speak with tongues? Yes, we do, because apart from those of us who don't. <laughs> do you all interpret? I haven't seen anybody interpret for like 10 years. I think we forgot that one. Here's the point. What does he then say? But earnestly desire the best gifts. He's saying you can grow in these giftings and you can move from one to the other because the top, the, the, number one, premier gift, apostle. You plant churches. You plant, do not, you plant around the world. You go out on mission. You plant thousands of churches. You do what Roland and Heidi Baker did. Or, or Randy Clark in Brazil. You plant churches left, right and centre. You're an apostle. You cannot be an apostle if you're not moving in all to the other gifts because it won't happen for you. We, we've tried that. The, the alternative approach to being an apostle and moving in your spiritual gifting as an apostle is rent an office, have some business cards printed, and it says Apostle Mark Baines on them. <laughs> or in your case, insert your name. That's the alternative approach to being an apostle. You're not an apostle. You're deceived, deluded, and a fruitcake. <laughs> this is the point. You earnestly desire the best gifts. You, you always want more. There is always more. There's always more gifts. I, I am hungry, personally. I'm not, I'm not bothered about most of those. The ones that really tick my boxes are healings and words and knowledge. That's what ticks my boxes. That's what I've devoted my life to pursuing so far. That's, that's what I desire to see, more of that, more of that, more of that. And to get there, I stir myself up by praying in tongues, because that's a gift I've got. And Jude tells us that if we pray in tongues, we build ourselves up in our faith, because the word building up is like charging up your battery. You charge up your battery in faith. My point's this. We, we, we need to become people who are not passive, but who are contending to see more. Not passive, but contending to see more. Because the more we desire, the more we see. The less we earnestly desire, the less we see. So we, let, we, we stir up what is already in us, and we desire more. And, and when, we, when we don't find that within ourselves, we go ask God to give us it. And, and we deliberately put ourselves in front of people who are stirred up, who are hungry, who are on fire, who, who are um, got something to give. And you get them and you let them stick their hands on your head and you let the Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do. That's how it works. 